a lot of the stuff I'm hearing because I'm in the media and people think I'm taking side with the Jew or they think I'm taking side with this person. And when I don't know a lot of I'm black and slow. I grew up in Alabama. I don't know about a lot of this mess. <laughs> yeah, but you know how to use a com- Listen, even though you're a boomer, you know how to use a computer. No, I don't. <laughs> Believe me, I don't. That sounds like you're a beta. Uh, when it comes to that, I am beta. Welcome to the Father State. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. This is August. And so happy man's history month. August is man's history month. Don't forget that the Father State is on Patreon. So click the Patreon link to support our work. I absolutely, Mama Mia, hola, appreciate it. I have back with me Michael Malice. And I had Michael on my radio show around 2018 or so. And it's good to have him on the Father State. Michael is an author of Dear Reader, The New Right, and The Anarchist Handbook. And he's the host of the podcast, You Are Welcome. Michael, thanks for coming on, man. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, Jesse. It's been a while since what you've been doing. <laughs> well, I, I, got, I think the last three years, yeah. well, I, I went on one date. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and my pants size went down a few inches. No, I mean, uh, I, well, honestly, what, I, what I've been doing is this is my last interview before I move out of New York. I'm moving to Austin this weekend. So this wow. is going to be very bittersweet uh, to have this be my last setup. It's, it's talk about fallen state. We could also talk about how the cities have fallen. I know. Uh, what this a mess. By, it, it's, it's by design, and it's, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. What made you decide to move from – because you like – Brooklyn, New York, right? What I've ma- been here all my life. What I've been made here you since decide I was to move? two. I don't even know how to drive, so I guess you can make fun of me. For- maybe I should part of Women's History Month since I know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you should book me again for September or something. No, it, all, first of all, all my friends left. You know, one by one, they just, you know how you when you're playing poker, at a certain point, you're like, I'm out. You know, I don't, and one by one, they got picked off. And, you know, the thing with us New Yorkers or soon to be former New Yorkers, we kind of have a pride that we're tough and, you know, we can take it. And you guys move here and you're weak and you have to get get out of here. But the strong New Yorkers survive. And after a certain point, uh, I was talking to Lauren Chen, who I'm sure you know, she's a podcaster out of Canada. And she was having issues during COVID because her dad had cancer and she wasn't even able to get scans for him. And it's just a horrible situation. And she just said to me on one of our talks, she goes, why am I funding my own oppression? And it was such like a light bulb moment. Like, why am I paying high rent, high taxes in exchange for watching the city I love being destroyed in front of me, uh, that not seeing any mechanism for it to turn around, to see the, the things that make New York special being vanished in exchange for, you know, just big corporations and making it homogenous and making it like any other city. And now just this past weekend, they made it the law that if you have to go to a restaurant or gym or other location, you have to show them proof of vaccination. Well, that doesn't demonstrate anything. Even if you're vaccinated, you can still spread COVID and you should always take precautions regardless of your status for any illness. And I was born in the Soviet Union. So the idea that if I want to get a meal, I have to show you some card or some papers or some proof that's not in my DNA so I'm out of here, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be a Texan. I'm going to learn how to drive. I'm going to get me a gun. 
I'm going to get one of those big hats, whatever they call it. There you go. <laughs> Why do you think that the Democrats are deliberately trying to destroy the cities like Los Angeles uh, and New York, California, New York, and most of the major cities? Why is that, you think? I think there's plenty of blame for both parties to be had. You saw Mitch McConnell telling people, if you don't get vaccinated, there's going to be more lockdowns as if the lockdowns aren't a choice that many of these governors and mayors are making. Yeah. You saw uh, Governor Hogan in Maryland. Uh, I think Charlie uh, uh, Barkley, I believe his name, in Massachusetts. Many of these Republican governors are saying the same thing. And the reason I believe it is, is because they're all uh, at the mercy of the corporate press. If I am a governor or a mayor and I just don't see it the way it is, my constituents are going to turn on CNN they're going to turn on MSNBC. They're going to read the New York Times, which we all know we're supposed to trust, the paper record. And they're telling my voters that this governor or mayor wants to kill me and my family. I'm going to have very little capacity to fight back against that. You saw what was happening to Governor DeSantis in Florida. You saw what's happening to Governor Abbott in Texas. And Kristi Noem uh, is being vilified, uh, even if the rates are safer than in similar states. So I don't think that they have the space so long as the corporate press has a lot of control over so many people's attention. And sadly, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, there are a lot more Americans than either of us have realized who would rather be safe than free. Yeah. They would rather be told, stay at home, and then when all their neighbors are doing it, then you don't have to feel weak because everyone's doing it. It's not just me being scared. Instead of saying, I am going to ha take this risk. It's a risk I'm willing to take, and I'll suffer the consequences. And a big example of this was, you know, last year when people weren't allowed to go to funerals or see their mom in the hospital who's dying alone. Yeah. And it's like, put me in a hazmat suit. I'll pay for it. Let me just go say goodbye or someone who is passing. This is my last chance. And they said no. So I think it's absolutely unconscionable. I'm sure you've been following what's going on in the rest of the world, yeah. especially Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and I do think, in a way, it's better that the mask is dropping. And instead of having this facade that our best interests are at heart, we're seeing that these people are interested in maintaining power at any cost and how little human life matters to them and how freedom is just an absolute joke to them. Do you think we're too far down the road to turn it around? Oh, no, no, no. I think it has to get worse before it gets better. Uh, I think it's kind of, you know how like if you have a, a bad marriage or a bad relationship and it, it's kind of sucky, you kind of knuckle under, you're like, all right, this sucks, but I don't want to be alone. I'm going to kind of uh, work my way through it. And at a certain point, if the, if the person's cheating or if they're stealing from you, then it's easier. Then it's like, <laughs> ah, there's no argument here. I'm out the door. You're a horrible person. Yeah. Whereas if they're just annoying, you can deal with it for many, many years. So I think that more and more people are realizing that you can't trust anything the corporate press says. And I think that is going to be a very healthy thing. Uh, look at who's the president. I mean, we have a weekend at Bernie situation in the Oval Office where the guy can't even put together two sentences. Yeah. That is not, to me, a symbol of an empire at its strength. That, to me, like in a movie, this is an empire on its last legs. And, and sadly, what that means in practice is things like Afghanistan, where as you and I are speaking, American so uh, Marines and, and civilians are being murdered with I, I bet with no consequences. So are Americans being murdered over there or is it the Afghans who supported the American military when they were there? Because I don't hear any talk about Americans 
it seemed as though they are trying to, they are calling the Afghans who supported our military Americans. No, no, they, they just, there was, there was bombs at the Kabul airport, 10 Marines are dead, uh, and there's more, I, they haven't finished, you know, I don't think the situation's resolved yet. So Amazing. there's at least 10 Marines dead right now. Uh, and, and that's, it's very disturbing when you hear Jennifer Saki, the press secretary who's back from her vacation, going on TV and saying that no American is stranded there. It's, it's very sad to see. When I see the, uh, I see them rescuing people, they had this one plane with a whole bunch of Afghanistans on it, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they had another one that had one or two, maybe three. But I don't see any Americans on any other planes. Why is that? Well, I'm not an expert in what the situation is going on over there. My understanding is that the Taliban are in much more control than the Biden administration would like to admit, uh, and that they're trying to uh, um, have discussions behind the scenes to get the Americans out of Dodge. But it seems like we have very little leverage uh, at this point. And what a mess. Yeah, and especially when you leave them, uh, our planes and tanks and, and weapons or whatever, uh, what, do you, what else are you going to convince them with other yeah. than you've given them your entire armada? So, Michael, you are an anarchist. Yes, sir. Is that like Antifa or Black Lives Matter? Are you like one of those people? No, I, I don't think I'm like one of those people. But Antifa does in some ways invoke the black flag. But I, I'm certainly not. Uh, what is an Antifa. anarchist exactly? An anarchist is someone who believes you do not speak for me and everything else is application. Oh, I see. You don't run around burning out buildings and stuff. No, sir. <laughs> I respect people's property and safety. Why did you decide to become an anarchist? Because it's true. Because the concept that the government has any moral right to tell you how to live your life is an absurdity. The idea that, you know, because a lot of people sign a piece of paper that has any claim on my freedoms or my liberties makes no sense. And the only reason we even consider it as a possibility is because we're taught to the contrary in government school since kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, So just because, you know, Governor Whitmer or Mario Cuomo and or even uh, Governor Abbott or Ron DeSantis tell me how I should live my life. If I'm living peacefully, I can respect their opinion, but they have no moral right to impose their will upon me, nor does it, nor do my fellow countrymen, for that matter. Um, are you I know you're doing a podcast um, uh, about these things and other things. Yeah. Are you doing other things to maintain your freedom? Oh, certainly. I think it's very important for those of us who are in a position to be independent, who don't have to have a boss, uh, who, you know, if you work for a company and your boss is putting you in certain, uh, have certain ideology, you have to bite your tongue. You have to put food on the table. You have to kind of smile and nod. So I think it's important for those of us uh, like me and you who have a little bit more freedom to speak our minds without a, a less fear of consequences yeah. uh, uh, to, to tell people a, you are doing the right thing to advise them to kind of pick your battles and to just kind of always expose the absurdity of those who would claim to be in a position to rule over us. And um, are you a religious person? I know you're a Jew, right? I am Jewish, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Jew, right? <laughs> You don't look like a Jew. If I was walking down the road, I would think that you're a white man. I looked at the nose to see if it was a big do you, nose. Do you, want, do you want me to see my circumcision? I'll be happy to show you, Jesse. <laughs> it is Men's History Month. <laughs> but when I look it's at you... It's amazing. I promise you. <laughs> amazing. And so when I look at you, you don't look like a Jew. It, okay. I mean, I would have to look at the nose real well. There you go. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I got it done. I got the nose done so that I could pass. Okay. Yeah. And so, Michael, I, um, and so being a Jew, do you like, are you like a religious person or are you just a Jew because you were born a Jew? Well, I'm not a, a Jew because I was born a Jew. It does matter a lot to me because that is what allowed me to get out of Russia. Uh, and also when I came to America, even though we had no money, uh, my parents knew to put me into a, a yeshiva, which is a private school, right. because they knew if you go to a government school, it's going to be the end of me. So I got a scholarship as a kid. So that is something I, that I can't just say, oh, I don't care. It really helped me uh, from a very early age. Right. So Jewish people don't go to public schools. Well, no, they do. But I'm saying because my parents came from the Soviet Union, where right. the government runs everything, they knew damn well if they sent me to a government school in America, what that would mean. So it's like kind of a private school, like a Catholic school or, or you know, a secular school. The point being, it's not being run by the government and it's going to have superior quality of education. In preparing for the show, I was talking to my producer about this. How did Jews end up in Russia? I noticed the more I learned about the Jews and I love the Jews. And the more and I've been to Israel, so I like y'all, right? Uh, <laughs> we like you too, Jesse. <laughs> I can't speak for all the women. No, there's lots of Jews who don't like you, but I, on behalf of myself and my family. Well, let them know I love Israel. I've been there a couple of times. I like it. But how did the Jews end up in Russia? This, the Jews have been in Russia for a very, very long time. Uh, part of the reason uh, um, the, the czar was regarded as such a villain is because, you know, even way, many, many years before Hitler, you had pogroms, which is basically the government just looked the other way when uh, there were just riots in Jewish areas where just people were killed, raped, their houses burned down. So the, the history of Judaism in, in the Soviet Union or Russia, excuse me, before that uh, has been going on for centuries. How they got there? Well, you wander in the desert long enough, you're going to end up all over the world. Amazing. I was talking about this because it's so interesting. I, I do want to know this and then I got to move on. Um, one of the guys that worked here, he seemed to know the history of the Jews, right? And he was saying, because I was asking him, how did the Jews end up in Russia? And he said there was a time when the Jews were all over the place, right? Yes. They were from and, one place to another, to another, to another. And, and they would always be yeah. forced to leave wherever they were. And, yes. and why was, is that true and why? Well, it's a very complicated situation. First of all, Jews were... Uh, not legally allowed to do certain jobs in many countries, right? So as a consequence of this, they often ended up being the financiers, right? The banks. So it's very easy to say, you're not going to have to pay back debts, blame the banks, just like in America, the Bernie Sanders type, who's also a Jew, blames the banks for everything and blames the capitalists for everything. But it's also when you have one group, and you know this as someone who's, who's a, a black person, when one group is the scapegoat, it's really easy for the next person to blame that same scapegoat and just carry it on, so on and so forth. And of course, during the Middle Ages, there was all sorts of uh, uh, claims that Judaism were responsible for the most evil atrocities, uh, including killing children and so on and so forth. So this is a very long, complicated uh, history. Yeah, he was telling me that wherever the Jews go, they tend to be set up shop and they become wealthy. They they be, they do very well. And I... I guess the people around them become jealous of that, and so I blame them for all the things that are hap happening around them, and that's why they end up running the Jews away. What is the secret? You can tell me, and I won't tell anyone. What is the secret? Because I know the Jews have a lot of money. What's the secret to becoming wealthy? What is it that the Jews are doing that we don't know about? Oh, I don't know that I have. The, it's not a secret how to become wealthy. Work harder than the next guy, 
uh, for focus in education, uh, value your family, and provide a good that people want. It's not a secret at all. It's just not easy to do. Really? And so do the Jews believe in God? Of course, Jesus was Jewish. The Old Testament, it's the same, it's the same Bible. We just don't like the sequel. How then, if the Jews have suffered so much, why, why are there so many liberal Jews now? I know there are a lot of liberal Jews. And I yeah. know some conservatives, you, Dennis Prager, and other people who are friends of mine. David Horowitz, yeah. Yeah. And so how did a lot of people, uh, Jews, become liberal? What happened? And what why happens, would they want to be liberal? Because they were, when they came to America in the early part of the 20th century, right, the highest uh, uh, levels of American culture were waspy Protestants. And they had a very Woodrow Wilson kind of progressive mindset. And they outdid them. In trying to assimilate, they adopted these values and kicked them up to the next level. So you had this kind of wannabe, waspy attitude among upper class, especially Jews. And this had deadly consequences when things like the Holocaust happened. Because they're like, we're bougie. We're up here. You guys are trash. You're over there. You are not the same people. You can stay over here. We've made it now. And this happens in every community. In every community that's marginalized, the people who make it try to kick out the ladder on, from under them to let the people beneath them not go up because then it's like, oh, you guys are trash. We don't want to be associated with you. We want to fit in. So it's a very disturbing phenomenon. But also historically, uh, th there's a big element in uh, kind of Jewish ethics about looking out for the forgotten person. And that often correlates uh, in politics, for better or worse, uh, with liberalism in general, even though it's not always applied the correct way, in my opinion. Do the liberal Jews and conservative Jews get along, or are they at war like the other conservative versus liberal? Uh, I, would add, I think you probably have a very similar situation as a, a black person who's conservative. Yeah. Because I'm sure, you get, I'm sure you get Uncle Tom, sellout, you know, all the names you get called. Yeah. And it's not just you personally. I, no. like bougie, bougie is a term of derision in African-American community. Why are you talking white? You know, all this other stuff. Uh, um, what's his name? I have his book right here. John McWater, who is a college professor. Oh, yeah. I know John. Man. In Losing the Race, he talks about this extensively, how in African-American culture, there's often a huge amount of contempt for people who are trying to better themselves. And it's like, oh, you think you're better than me? And why are you trying to make me look bad by you achieving? So this is a, a situation when any group is on the margins, uh, there is a lot of infighting because it, 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 it's this very uh, dangerous dynamic, and it's very unfortunate, to be fair. One, but also, there's a lot of Jewish, Jews like to argue with each other. Like in Israel, as you know, the, there's like, what, 14 political parties for a country that's the size of Long Island? It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know. Um, in the Jewish family, does the Jewish woman run the family, or does the Jewish man run the family? I think how it is is going to be pretty similar to in African-American households yeah. where the man thinks he runs the family and the woman, <laughs> the woman is glad to let him think that, yeah. but she's wearing the pants when push comes to shove. So I think there's a, there's a very big stereotype, which is not at all inaccurate of the pushy, aggressive Jewish mother-in-law, the Jewish mom, but there's very much this idea that she's like the, the man runs the house, but she's not. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. She's a tough, tough cookie. And, it, and of course, it's different for every couple. I'm not speaking right. for it. You know, yeah, I understand. But, it, but there's, there's very much in Jewish culture an admiration for uh, strong, aggressive women who are holding their own. What a mess. <laughs> 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 
So, Michael, when you're walking down the road, because you don't look Jewish to me. Okay. So when you're walking down the road and, and, and you go past another Jew, do they recognize right away that you're a Jew? So sometimes, yeah. There's a, there's a thing where uh, you were to fill in. It's this like kind of ritual, Jewish ritual, if you're religious, right? And it's, it's a mitzvah, a good deed in the eyes of God for a Jew to have another Jew do this. So the religious ones stand on the street here in New York and they're scanning the crowd, you know, because it doesn't matter if it's someone who's not Jewish, they do. you got to do it to a fellow Jew, even if they're not observant. And sometimes they'll spot me and be like, oh, and I'm like, I pretend, and they know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to work. They're like, who are you fooling? So they, they, they somehow can tell. Really? Yes, have you, would Have you ever dated outside of your race? Sure. Uh, and do you get in trouble for doing that? No, not at all. Oh, you don't? No. Black people get in trouble for dating white people. Wait, isn't it different? Isn't it like, wait, black women can date white men, right. but black men can't date white women. I know. Isn't that a mess? Yeah. But it's not like that with the Jewish people. No, I mean, I think the bigger issue is kids, right? Because Judaism is matrilineal. So if a woman who is Jewish has kids, it doesn't matter who the husband is or the, the man, the kids are regarded as Jewish. Oh. But if a Jewish man has kids with a non-Jewish woman, the kids are not Jewish. So that is a big issue, marrying uh, someone if you're a man who is also Jewish. Wow. Do you plan to get married have ki- and make kids one day? I don't plan to have kids. I do hope to get married. But no kids? No kids. My, I, my, my uh, sister has two sons, my nephews. I adore them, uh, but I adore them in small doses. So what would be the purpose of you getting married if you don't want to have kids? You might as well stay single. There's no reason well, to be no, married. I, 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 th- I think there's a big advantage of that stability. Uh, someone who has your back, companionship. Uh, you know, if you're going to events with couples, I think there's lots of positive things you can say about marriage. Really? You don't think so? No, there's the only reason to get married is if you want to make babies. I don't think that's the only reason. What other reason? Uh, I mean, to have someone that, you know, when you come home, someone who's your, your companion, uh, someone who you admire, who you love. Uh, not, playing the field is not fun. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. Most people are not dateable. That's for sure today. You're yeah. right about that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Amazing. Are you a religious person? I'm not. But not, I'm, not an, I'm not a religious person, no. And you're not an atheist as well. I'm not an atheist, though. No. And so what are you? I'm a Jew, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> We've established that. So are the Jews the chosen people by God? Well, that's what the Bible says, yes. And is it true? Well, uh, you'd have to ask him. Is, is, do you have him on the show next week? Is he taking your calls, Mr. So Peterson? Do you feel are like you going to call him a beta? <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel as though you've been chosen by God simply because you're a Jew? No, but I do feel very blessed that I'm in a position to do what I do and not have to have a boss and that, you know, you get this as well, that we just sit here running our big fat mouths on our mics and it actually helps people and it makes their day and it makes them feel validated. And I think that's something that I don't take for granted. I I feel very fortunate to be in this position. I'm kind of believing that that's why the Jews have so much money. They've been chosen by God. And I think uh, well, God is secretly giving them all the money they need while he's making us work hard. Why is that? Well, then it's not secret, is it? You know <laughs> <No>. about it. <laughs> if God wants to listen, Jesse Lee Peterson, if God wants something to be a secret, I promise you, we're not going to know. <laughs> he's really good at stuff. But you and I are friends. You can tell me what God is doing <laughs> and we don't know about it. I won't tell him. 
I'll text you. All right. We're, we're, we're on camera right now. There was a, a, a guy walking down the, the road by my, he went past my office one day and he recognized me from different TV shows I got. And so I asked, he's a Jewish guy, young guy. I asked him what was his secret to Jews making so much money. And he told me in 60 seconds how to make money. I'm like, whoa. So I know the secret, Michael. <laughs> Why you well, tell me? I, I have to tell you because we can't let the world know. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, gonna have to find him and I'm gonna have to punish him because we're not supposed to tell you guys. Right. That's just between us. Right. What kind told, of sellout is this dude? I'm not gonna tell anyone else. Okay. Um, what what is a man? What is a man? Yes. Uh, someone who, who I mean, someone. Do you mean a male or a man? What is a man? To me, a man is someone who has the courage of his convictions and tries to uh, impart his will on the world and does so in an honorable way. That, to me, is what manhood is about. And so are you an alpha male or a beta male? Well, I, I, I'm scared you're going to tell me I'm a beta. So everyone no. thinks they're an alpha. No, here's the thing. Margaret Thatcher who I'm sure you're a fan of as well. Yes. She had this great quote where she said, being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't, right? Yeah. So I, I'm friends with lots of people who are like in uh, the SEALs. I did work with MMA fighters who can beat up anywhere on, on earth. They're not walking around all macho. Right. If someone goes up to you and says, I'm alpha, I'm alpha, he ain't. <laughs> That's right. Right? So listen, when you deal with women... Are you straight up with them or do you tiptoe around them? Are you honest with women when they're wrong? Do you correct them or are you afraid of them? Uh, I think you got to do the eggshells. It, it, it depends because you have, to pick your, you have to pick your battles. You have to be honest, but at the same time, they have to be receptive to your honesty. So it's a tricky situation. So you do eggshells around women? It depends on the situation. If I value her, if someone is emotional and you're having a fight, right? Telling them this is how it is isn't going to resolve it because they're not in position to hear you. So I'm very big on being respectful, but I'm also very big on respecting your boundaries and setting them, right? I don't so, know what that so, means. So I'll tell you exactly what that means. If someone is accusing you of something that you didn't do or someone is saying, oh, you know, you're looking at that woman, you're cheating on me, you don't have to engage in that argument. No, baby, you're wrong, saying I am not, you're, I am not going to have this discussion if you don't trust me, you don't trust me. And I've given you every reason to trust me and no reason not to trust me. So that's an example of not engaging in antics. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. I feel like I'm, a, I'm taking a magazine question. Which of these two choices do you do with women, A, B, or C? <laughs> and so were you raised by both parents? Uh, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. What yeah, type it was of, rough. I bet. Rough in what way? Well, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I found out about it because I came home and my mom, my grandma were crying. And uh, it was like dad just told me that he wants to get divorced. And that's not how you want to find something like that out. You know, I, I wish I, I had some warning. It's kind of very, just when you're a kid, you know, it's very, get the rug pulled out. from under. Right. Absolutely. And your father didn't let you know he was going to leave your mother? No, no, no. And so did you grow up close to which your father? Your I mother? was close with dad. Yes. Yeah, so it felt like a very big betrayal. Oh, good. So you. How, oh, good. That's terrible. Uh, no. Was he. 
I mean, he should have told you he was leaving. Yeah. But once he left, were you still close to him? No, no, not at all. You became close to your mother? Closer than I was previously. I wouldn't say. I, I mean, I, 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 she's a very different person than me, and I respect her a lot, but it was, it was not fun. Did she, in what way wasn't it fun? Well, because when you, you know, you grow up with your dad your whole time, right? And then mom kind of takes over and she's struggling. It's not fun for her. I had a little sister at that point. She was like one and a half. So that was a whole kind of situation. So, and you're at that age when you're a teenager, it's also tough for everybody. Yeah. You know, regardless of the situation, your relationship with all your parents, for most people, I don't think I'm particularly unusual in this. It gets tricky at that point. So it, it was, it was a rough situation. And then once once your father left and you were left with her, did she gri- drive you crazy? Uh, yeah, to some extent, sure. Yeah. Now you understood why your father left, right? <laughs> I didn't say he was wrong to leave. I oh. just think he did it just like Afghanistan. He did it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. And as a result, he killed several Marines. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you went to your father to ask him, why did he leave? I never what? asked him. Why not? Because he's not the kind of person who would be receptive to that kind of conversation. But how do you know if you never ask? Because there have been many times when if you ask him things, he would be uh, respond very aggressively and sarcastically and hurtfully. Uh, is he still living? Yes, sir. Um, now that you're a full adult. Well, somewhat, Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you ask him, why did you leave me with her? Why did you protect me from her? Oh, because I haven't spoken to him in 11 years. Why and not? Part, I'll, give you, I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times when if I tried to bring up something that was an issue to me when I was a kid, he would be like, grow up. Who cares? Move on. Nice. And it's like, it, I don't think that's nice. It's oh. kind of like if you, something bothered you when you were a kid and you want answers, the 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 thing would be like, let's talk about it, not shut up and go away, you know? Oh. When I was growing up and things bothered me, it never occurred to me to talk to my parents or grandparents about it. I just dealt with life. And I didn't need them to talk to them about it. Why are men and women so weak now they feel like they got to go to their parents about every little thing? Well, I don't think it's every little thing. I think, why did you leave mom is a pretty big thing. You know what I mean? Why did you do this, which really bothered me as a kid, is a pretty big thing. So it's not like, why didn't I get ice cream that one time? It's because he didn't want me to have ice cream, you know? So but not, I think... No, finish your point. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I think that uh, it's, you, it's very hard to have any kind of relationship, friendship, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, parent and son, if there's not the space to have hard conversations about important issues. I agree with you that whining about every little thing, boo-hoo, this was, is, is not the way to go. Right. But when it comes to very, like this had a big impact on me as a kid, explain your thinking to me. I want to understand where you're coming from. I, th- I think that's a very fair conversation to have. And so since your father, when your father left, and now that you're an adult, have you forgiven your mother for imposing her will on you? Oh, I don't have any beef with her. She did the best she could. Uh, she's a different person than me. So there's none of this, uh, you know, animosity. So at one point, did she get on your nerves? Oh, still, of course. She's my mom. She gets on my nerves every time we talk. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> she's this old Russian lady. How can she not get on my nerves? And she won't tell me the Jew secrets. And, and, so, and so do you understand now why your father left her? Just, I, I don't understand why he left her the but way he did. Look how difficult she is. 
She's annoying is not the same as difficult. But, Every woman is going to be annoying. There's no situation where you're married and you're like, wow, what a treasure. I'm so glad every day I come home and it's like hearing harps and angels. That's not reality, <laughs> Mr. Peterson. And so um, why don't you go to your, you don't, you love your father? Sure. And you love your mother? I do. So if you love your father and mother, why don't you go to your father for example and ask him why did he leave? Because whenever I've tried to bring up serious issues with him, it's been a complete slamming of the door in my face, metaphorically, of course, and uh, aggression, hostility, like, why are you bothering me? But how about if you went to him and say, you know what, father, not that I'm an adult. I no, see, I've tried this as an adult. This is not I tried as a kid. I know, but now that I am an adult, I understand life and I understand men and women's situation. I'm sorry for resenting you for leaving. I now know why. I'm not sorry for resenting him. Oh, he, you're not? He, was, he did the wrong thing, and that wasn't the only wrong thing he did, to be fair. Uh, it's just not my business to kind of spill his crap publicly. But my sister still talks to him, and, and uh, nice. uh, we commiserate over him, yeah. He's but, not, he's, he does some things that I don't approve of. And so... Um, what give you the right to uh, dislike him? I think everyone has the right to like or dislike whoever. It's not that I dislike him. I just lost a lot of respect for him. But what give you the right to uh, not respect him? The Bible. The Bible? <laughs> what? what do you mean? What do, what do you mean? The Constitution? What, I don't what, I, Like, everyone has the right to make their own judgments, don't you think? Have you done things wrong in your life? Yes, sir. And should anyone resent you for the things you have done? Yes, if I don't make amends, absolutely. Really? So you think it's all right to resent others? Of course. I think it's, a, it's mandatory. But when you resent, you're judging others. Do you think we have a right to judge others? I think we have a duty to judge others. And yes. why? Because Who are we that we should judge? I mean, we should not accept wrongdoing, of course. But who are we sh that we should judge others when they're wrong? Because if someone does something wrong and you maybe they made a mistake, right, or they don't have information and you point out to them, hey, this is wrong. This bothered me. And they're just like too bad and they're going to do it again. I don't think it's wrong at that point to say this person is not for me. But you should still forgive them and go your way. I, I can't forgive because there's. It's not like this person has no impact. I don't even just mean my dad. If a person is still in your orbit and having impact on you and your loved ones, you can, you can see this is the same person that's been having the situation. But, this is why it's important for people to kind of create boundaries. And if someone is a bad person, which I'm not saying my father is, right. but if someone is a bad person, it's important to, in your head, be like, this person will continue to do the wrong thing. And I have to make sure I'm not in a position where they're going to do that to me. But once you forgive them, realizing that, yes, they're wrong, but they can help you themselves, as you cannot help yourself, then you have natural protection from them. I think there's a difference between someone who tries to do the right thing and fails or makes mistakes and someone who doesn't care. Amazing. You don't, don't you? think, you know, you know, no, because most people that, uh, most people who are doing wrong things, they would want to care, but they don't understand why they do the things that they do. I disagree completely. I think lots of people every day do the wrong thing. They know they're doing the wrong thing. They don't care. So when you do wrong, you know what you're doing, but you just do it anyway? 
I, I don't. That's why I try to do the right thing all the time, because if I ever do the wrong thing, I feel very guilty about it. And so do you do wrong things at times? I, I have, of course. And what causes you to do wrong things? Is it you or something else causing you to do it? Well, it would depend on the wrong thing. Like, I, I mean, there was one example where, you know, I snapped at a friend of mine. And I felt really bad about it because I didn't have the information. I apologized to him and he said, I don't even care. I didn't even remember that. But that's like, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't think it's true that everyone does the wrong thing on a regular basis. I think it's harder to do the right thing, but I think it's important to do the right thing so you can look yourself in the mirror the next day. Even forgiveness? I think a forgiveness is important if the person is actually feels bad what, about what they did. That's very, I, I'm very, that's important to forgive them. So they don't have to feel that guilt, you know? So you, you believe in forgiveness? Oh, 100%. But the person have to feel bad for you to forgive them? Yes. How did you come up with that rule? Because it's, I don't know that I came up with it. I don't think it's that kind of especially unique to me. But if someone did something wrong, as we all have done, and they're like, oh, you know, I was wrong, and here's why I was wrong, and I feel bad because I did this to you, and this is why you can be assured I'm not going to do it in the future. In that case, it's like, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, and please don't feel guilty anymore. Let's move on. But God said to forgive others, and he will forgive you, and it's not based on whether they feel guilty or not. Well, God's a lot better person than me. Oh. Are you a son of God? Uh, I, do What do you mean by that? Uh, are you a son of God? I heard you. I just don't know what you mean. <laughs> Do you, you don't know what it means to be a son of God? You mean like a Mormon? Isn't that a, like a, a Seventh-day Adventist? What does that mean, son of you God? You know, you are a son of your earthly father, right? Sure. Is, is God your spiritual father? I think he's all of our spiritual father. How about you yours? Say? I would say yes. And so are you his son? Apparently. <laughs> You're not sure? Well, I, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering. I, I don't think of myself in those terms. No. Because, and the reason I ask, because all sons of God operate in perfect love. They speak up, they deal with issues, but they have no resentment. Okay, then I guess I'm not a son of God. What the... Well, I, if I have resentment, and I have resentment for a lot of things, yeah. especially like especially when people who are authority figures push their weight around, I'm not going to forgive them. And do you want to live a life of forgiveness, or would you rather live with anger? Uh, I'd rather live with anger. Really? Yes, because Amazing. I think anger is good motivation when there's still wrongdoing on this earth. But anger bring, for, anger bring no peace. I'm not here to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, amazing. You sound like somebody else. <laughs> You're your Jewish friend who stopped you on the street and yeah. told you our secrets. What is love? Uh, I think love is knowing and admiring someone else in their totality. Amazing. So uh, I want to ask you this, and then I want to ask you about the police, the funding, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, there are a lot of people who blame the Jews for the the country being messed up for open okay. borders, for um, ushering in liberalism and all this stuff. And they blame the Jews for, you've heard that before, right? Of course. Yeah. It's part of, I talk about it in my books and you write. Yeah. Oh, okay. And what do you think about that? And why, first of all, what do you think about that? 
I think it's ahistorical. If you look at who the big villain in American history is, it's Woodrow Wilson. And Woodrow Wilson was an extremely religious person. He thought he was sent on earth from God to kind of save the world. This was a time when there was something called the social gospel, which is a very satanic idea where instead of an individual having a soul, a nation has a soul, and that soul can be saved, and it's often saved only at the hands of government. And if you believe in this, then there's no aspect of life that is outside your purview. It's a very twisted uh, 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 mindset. Um, so this happened in what, like 1912, he was president through 1920. That's not a Jewish uh, situation. So it's very easy for people to blame some other group because then you don't have to look at yourself and see what hand you've had in it. So there's absolutely been Jews who've had very negative consequences in America, but there's also been Jews who've had very many positive consequences in America, just like your friend and I'm sure many other guests you've had on your show. Dennis Frager is one example. Um, what role was it? Was a white man? Woodrow Wilson? Yeah. Every president was white, except for one half. Right. Just for the record, for millennials don't know that. And yeah. so are you saying that Woodrow Wilson taught the Americans to hate the Jews? No. What I'm saying is if, there's, if the people who are, who are saying that it's the Jewish fault that all this liberalism happened, this started with Woodrow Wilson, who, had, who was a strong religious, well, in his own version of religious Christianity, far be, be, before you had strong Jewish influence in American politics. And so you write about this in your book, right? Correct. And so, so Woodrow Wilson was a white Christian man. Heart, very religious, yes. And can you give me an example of something that he said that would cause the people to hate the Jews? No, no you're, you're missing my point. What I'm saying is the people who are saying that it's the Jewish influence that's caused liberalism in America, before there was any big Jewish influence in American politics, you had figures like Woodrow Wilson and the progressive movement, which all were very strongly Christian and, and socialist as well in their inclination. Oh, okay. When I was growing up and down in Alabama on the plantation, I was taught that the Jews and the Christians are friends, we're, that we are one and that if it wasn't for Judaism, there would be no Christianity, right? Right. And so I grew up automatically loving the Jews. I went to Israel, and I had always wanted to go growing up because I heard the amazing stories about Israel and the Bible and Christ. Yeah. And all. So I made a couple of trips over there already, and it was amazing. So I didn't grow up hating the Jews at all. I'm a little surprised that the Jews are so hated, and I can't really grasp why. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reading a little bit more about it. I'm trying to really understand, and I still don't get why uh, so many people hate the Jews. Well, I think you have to ask why does so many people hate any group, right? Like there's going to be reasons that certain individuals in that group have negative consequences, but then people like to take those individuals and extrapolate it out to the whole population, so, uh, which I don't think is a reasonable uh, perspective. So do the Jews hate other people too? Like, do they hate the Christians and do they hate... The whites and, and all that. No, no. I think the biggest issue is between, like, uh, Israel and, you know, the Arabs. I think that would be the biggest ones. But oh. I don't think that's that's really it. And, and certainly you're going to have issues in Eastern Europe because historically, as you pointed out, there's been a big divide between the Jewish population in Eastern Europe and, and the non-Jewish populations. But I don't think that's really a thing in America, although people who are anti-Semites would want that to be a thing because then it's like, well, I only hate them because they hate us. And, and that's not really how it works. It's amazing how some, everybody hates somebody yeah yeah it's amazing who did the alabama people hate in like mississippi <laughs> they hated the people up north 
Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, uh, I would love one day to talk to someone who really, without any bias, understand this warfare with the Jews and the Christians and the whites and the Jews and and now the black like. I used to hear, when I moved to L.A., I would hear some of these so-called black leaders blaming the Jews for everything. Oh, yeah. Like Farrakhan's very big on that. Yeah, I would love to understand the dynamic of that. And so one day I hope to get the whole picture of it. I want to ask, um, do you, are you in favor of defunding the police? I'm in favor of abolishing the police and, and making the police a private security to be handled by the market. Abolish me, not getting rid of them, but just privatize? Right. Because so, security is something that is so important, you can't have a government monopoly do it well. Just same reasons you don't have a, a socialized health care, you shouldn't have socialized security. And would we, be, would we have a better police force if it was privatized? Of course, because then if someone gets, if, if someone is violent or not doing their job correctly, they're going to have consequences as opposed to the government letting them uh, get off scot-free. And the police were the ones who kept everyone from defending themselves when all the rioting was happening last year. Only a government monopoly is the position to tell everyone, you got to sit there and watch your building get burnt down. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. they were controlled, the police departments and other places were controlled by the government and they were telling exactly. them to stand down. Right, exactly. So at a certain point, you have to ask yourself how much money is... Gavin Newsom going to pay you for you to sit down and watch while neighborhoods get burned down. If you had a competition in a private system, there at least one agency will be like, we're the ones who are going to keep you safe while everyone else is staying at home and they'll get all the business. Have we ever had a privatized police in this We've country? Had, yeah, semi-privatized in the past. Police, the, the having kind of a monopoly, government monopoly on police is a relatively recent phenomenon, which happened as a result of the rise of the cities, uh, like in the late 1800s. But back in the day, as you know, the Second Amendment was about having a militia, meaning everyone had a weapon. Everyone yeah. was trained to use it. Yeah. And everyone was looking out for their own neighborhood instead of this concept that this is one of the reasons I'm leaving New York. I got to sit in my home. And if someone wants to break in here and kill me, I just got to be, oops, I better hope I get to my <laughs> cell phone. It's crazy. I know when I was growing up, I mean, everybody had guns, and it just, it was like having a car. It wasn't a big deal. And it, we knew it was to protect ourselves, to hunt, because we had rifles and things to go hunting. But I never imagined one day that the government would try to take our guns away from us, and then there were people who would go along with it. It just doesn't seem to be logical that people would agree to give up their weapons. If someone broke into my house and I shot them here in New York City, in Brooklyn, I would 100% be in more trouble than them. Yeah. It's, like that it's not even a question. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's not even a question. That's amazing, huh? It's very, this is one of the reasons I'm an anarchist. Only the government can put you in that position where you're forced to be helpless in your own home. When I hear the word anarchist, it sounds radical, but you don't look like a radical person. You have a haircut. Well, you also thought I didn't look like a Jew, so here we are. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't look like anything. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman of color. <laughs> oh, amazing. So listen, uh, your impression of Black Lives Matter, what do you think of them? I think it's pretty funny how they were used so effectively by the Democratic Party. Uh -huh. And as soon as Biden gets elected, they couldn't even get them on the phone. 
Did you see they sent out a press release? I, they yeah. say Kamala Harris and Joe Biden won't even return our phone calls. I know. So I they, thought they were. Yeah, they were being completely exploited by the Democratic Party and the media. I think that's hilarious. I also think that they're a mixed bag. It's easy to hate on them, but I think what some members of that group realize is that the Democratic Party, while it takes their votes, isn't really going to do anything for their communities, and they're frustrated. So I think there's a mix. So could they be? Could people be used by the government? Because I noticed, I noticed that black people, not all, but most are being used, and they've been used for years by the government in order to destroy America, to turn it into a socialist, communist society. The blacks are being used for that by by using the word racism and blaming everybody else on the failure of the blacks, their inability to do for themselves. Could people be used and not know that they're being used? Well, of course, because I, I don't think it's exclusive to black people. If you look at labor unions, right, this was often used as a mechanism to increase government power. Right now, sick people. If you have COVID, this is an excuse for the government to tell you how to live your life and where you can go, whether you can even leave the country. So I don't think the powers that be really care about what group it is. It's whoever, like a toolbox. If I can grab a wrench to you know, transgender people, oh, I can use Muslim people. I can use Jewish people. I can use gay people. I can yeah. use poor people. Whatever tool I can use at the moment. And as soon as and, and poor whites used to be a big uh, um, group for the Democratic Party. And as soon as they started voting Republican with the Reagan Democrats, now they're all Klansmen and evil and racist. They just threw them in the trash. So it, it, as soon as black people would vote Republican, for example, they would be regarded as despicable. It, yeah. it would just flip on a dime. Yeah. So it's not really about whatever the group is. It's just like, who can I exploit to further my domination and, and, and uh, manage my power? Did you vote for the great white hope? I don't I don't believe in voting. What? I don't believe in voting. I'm an anarchist. You a Jew that don't vote? Uh, yeah. Let me call Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to take your call, Jesse. <laughs> I think I think you and I could be bunkmates. <laughs> so why don't You're you? You're no Jesse Lee Owens, okay? <laughs> I can't believe that. Why don't you vote? You because know who I... the, you know who the Great White Hope is, right? No, who? Muhammad Ali. No. Oh, Don, you're so? a little controversial. You're talking about illegal immigration. I said it's illegal. <laughs> Every time I speak of the losing haters, I do so with great affection. They cannot help the fact that they were born fucked up. That's, That's my right. favorite tweet of his. I don't believe in voting. I don't believe in democracy. My rights are not up for discussion, let alone a vote. Really? Yes. And so if you don't vote in representation to serve you, meaning to protect you, build bridges and rules and things like that. What give you the right to speak out if you're not going to vote in someone to work for you? Being a man. And a man speaks for himself and doesn't have other... So it looks like you're the beta here, huh? So you're the beta who but, wanted the alpha Donald Trump to represent you, but the real alpha, Michael Malice, who has Hitler on his phone, <laughs> is going to speak for himself. But you can't... But I can't do everything. <laughs> I need to hire someone to do it for me. For example, I can't... I don't have time to build a strong military. Correct. Correct. I needed the Great White Hope to do that. I don't no, have no, time you, to... If put, you want something, you pay them. You right, hire them. I hired a Great White Hope. You, you didn't. You got Biden. No, but I hired crazy. the Great White Hope. Though. No, you didn't. Listen, if I want someone as a doctor, I pick which doctor I want. If I want a lawyer or a chef or a radio host or podcast host... I pick who I want. The idea that I got to go in a booth 
and whoever my neighbors want is who I got to be stuck with makes no but sense. But I picked Donald Trump. But you didn't get Donald Trump. Well, you know why. Why? Because democracy is a sham. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Ask, ask him because his daughter converted. Ivanka converted Judaism. His daughter converted, you say? Yes, and she's observant. She's more religious than me. She keeps uh, Shabbos. She keeps kosher. Well, that's because she married a Jew, I think. Yeah, but I mean, she did it the, the, the real way. She went through the ceremony. She went through the whole process. She, she follows the rituals much more than I do. Does that guy have money or something? Jared? Oh, yeah. Jared Kushner is very wealthy. Well, no wonder she converted. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I think Ivanka and Trump had plenty of her own money. Not more than the Jew. <laughs> That's not true. She had more. She's a, Trump's a billionaire. Kushner's not a billionaire. I know, but Trump is a billionaire. She wasn't. Yeah, but it's her. It's the family money. Come on. No, it's Trump money. Yeah. Uh, listen, one thing about the Jews, since you brought them up again. I didn't bring them up. You keep bringing them up. <laughs> I feel like I'm in Germany. <laughs> They say that the Jews own all the media and everything. Is that true? I, I, I think there's a lot of Jews who are represented in media, but if you look at who owns everything, I don't think it's at all universal. And if you look at the faces, certainly Anderson Cooper, Joanne Reed, uh, um, Don Lemon, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, these are not Jewish voices. Um, so you said it's not true that the Jews own most of the media, if not all? I'm saying it's not true, and I would encourage everyone to do their own homework on this issue. I'm glad you tell because a lot of this stuff I'm here because I'm in the media, and people think I'm taking sides with the Jew, or they think I'm taking sides with this person. And when I don't know a lot of I'm black and slow. I grew up in Alabama. I don't know about a lot of this mess. <laughs> yeah, but you know how to use a computer. Listen, even though you're a boomer, you know how to use a computer. No, I don't. <laughs> Believe me, I don't. That sounds like you're a beta. Uh, when it comes to that, I am beta. That's for sure. <laughs> Amazing. So, <laughs> growing up in the Soviet Union. I grew up here. We moved here when I was two. Okay, Brooklyn. but knowing about what went on over there, yeah. what yeah. is the, the solution to change what's happening in our country? Uh, I think it is getting people radicalized. And having them realize you are trying to play a game where the rules are stacked against you. So the way to win is to stop playing the game and not try to play the game on your enemy's terms. And to realize that you've been trained since kindergarten in government schools to believe things that aren't true. Yeah, and you have to make it a point to find independent voices and fight for your critical thinking as opposed to smiling and nodding at what you see the people on the screen say, including me and you. Think for yourself. And, re and as soon as you realize how much you're being lied to, a lot of the dominoes start falling in your mind. Critical race theory. What do you think about that? I think it's a, just a great con job for upper middle class, um, college educated urban elites to feel good about, feel good about feeling bad about themselves. Why are white people allowing that to happen? Because they've been blamed for everything. Why are they letting that go on? And they're going to be teaching that to little children, little white children, telling them that they're evil simply because they're white. Why are white parents and white people allowing that? Because being violently anti-racist is the only way low-quality people can feel better about other people. So if I'm bringing nothing to the table... But I can say all these people around me are racist. Well, that's one thing I have over them. And that makes me a good person morally. 
So it really fulfills a narcissistic need in a certain kind of mindset. And it's also, you know, when you, when you read the certain same organizations, the New York Times, the New Yorker, the Atlantic, and all these other outlets, and everyone in your social group is reading the same thing, and those are pre putting out this agitprop, you're going to follow suit and smile and nod because you don't want to stick your neck out because the person who sticks their neck out is going to be a target for your crowd. That's amazing, man. Um, do you, are, you, are you a supporter of putting a wall around the borders? Well, I, I think it's important to have border control. I don't know that a wall is necessarily the best way to do it. But why not? Because, I mean, people find ways over walls. And, and, so, and the thing is, there's lots of people here who we don't want here. And there's lots of people who did get over the wall who aren't hurting anybody. So it's, it becomes a tricky situation. Immigration, like we, one of the reasons we beat the Soviet Union and the West beat communism is because all the doctors and engineers you know, started emigrating in the West. It was called the brain drain. It's because they're like, why am I sitting here oppressed when I can make, put up my shingle in America and make something of myself? So those immigrants, we certainly want. Educated, highly skilled people, the more the merrier. I don't the problem, want any of them over here. You don't want educated people? No, we got enough here already. I don't, I think we could use a lot more smart, we could use a lot more doctors. We could, and especially, here's the thing, if you're an immigrant, you're going to be a lot less susceptible to the bullshit that people who were raised in America are going to believe from the media. Not these that are coming over now because they've been taken care of by the government. No, no. I'm talking about like adults who are educated and technically skilled. The educated ones are the worst ones. Not I, how? Because they, they have no common sense. In America, they are. But if you're going to cross an ocean to make a better life for your family, you're thinking for yourself to some capacity. So are you a supporter of the war or you're not? I, I think the wall is a distraction. I, I have no problem with the wall, but I don't think the wall is going to solve this issue. Do you? And so are you a supporter of the wall? I, I, I don't support any government program, so I'd have to say no. Uh, over in Israel, they have a wall around the borders, and I've seen it and visited there. And the sure. wall has cut back a lot on the invasion of the enemies of the Jews. It sure. works in Israel. Why wouldn't it work here? Well, first of all, I don't think Mexico is our enemy. And I think I would rather have 100 Mexicans come over than 100 college gra uh, graduates from Harvard. And but they're, they're not just coming from Mexico, even, even though there are enemies coming from Mexico, too. They're coming from around the world. Right. So if there's only a wall in the southern border, it's not going to solve that problem, right? Because there's planes. So the issue is not going to be solved by a wall, as you just said. Were you for the wall in Israel? I, I'm, I'm not an Israeli citizen. I'm not in a position to discuss that. But if they want to build a wall, that's I have no problem with Americans building a wall. I'm just saying, as you pointed out, if people are coming from all over the world, here's a, let's take it to what's happening right now. A lot of people are saying we should take in as many Afghans as possible from Afghanistan. I disagree. Issue, I, right, I, I'm saying right. The point is, a lot of them, how do you know you're not letting in Taliban in, right? How are you going to pick and choose? And if we can say we need them to be safe, that doesn't mean they have to be safe in America. They right. can be safe in other countries, right? That's right? If there's a wall, that's not going to change that issue. That has nothing to do with the Afghan But at issue, least right? we can stop the flow with the wall. We, it wouldn't stop it. It would slow it down. Right. It, it, but, we uh, could put the wall and the military. Then we'll stop it. Yeah, but again, if you're dealing with the, the Afghan issue, that's not going to have to do with either of them. Right. Uh, I got to put you on. Oh, do you love white people? I love all people. Do you love white people? I, I sure I love white people as well as black people and and everybody else. Do you love white Almost. people? Yes. Oh, uh, thank you. 
<laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> what now? I got to put you on the hot seat. My time is running out here with you. Okay. So I got to put you on the hot seat. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay. The hot seat. Are there any Russian stereotypes that are not true? No. Are you an alpha male or beta male? I, I decline to answer like any alpha would. <laughs> Should China pay reparations to the world for the Chinese virus? No. Did Big Mama Michelle eat up all the tamales? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Who is doing the most to save America right now? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the forgotten American. Who's people who don't know his name? Should Christian bakers be forced to make same sex wedding cakes? No one should be forced to do anything they don't want to if they're doing being peaceful, so no. Should a man ever tell a woman his problems? Yes. But who who has more privilege? Black people or gay people? Um black people. In one word, describe Camilla Harris. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> Do you support abortion? No. Are women equal to men? No one's equal to anyone. Are women equal to men? No. Should a woman ever be educated? Yes. Would you ever marry an educated woman? Yes. Is it, last thing, is it true that an educated woman would never make for a good wife and a mother to your children? False. False. Thank you for taking the hot seat, man. Well, thank, thank you. It's burned my ass. <laughs> Tell the folks how to get your podcast, your books, and whatever else you have going on. Anarchisthandbook.com will teach you how to save this country and twitter.com slash Michael Ballas and the podcast is your welcome. This has been such a pleasure, Jesse. Thank I was going to so ask, did you have fun? Oh, uh, it was amazing. And I'm an alpha now. I know it. <laughs> amazing. Thank you for coming on, man. But go and forgive your father and your mother and you'll be free. Okay. You got to face them. Okay. They couldn't help themselves. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to end up marrying your mama. Well, I, I, that ship has sailed. <laughs> amazing. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, sir. And happy man history, Mike. Thanks, sir. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, ring the bell. Uh, check out our merch, amazing merch on in our store there, the Fallen State Store. And thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Next time on The Fallen State. My own parents had a very difficult divorce. My mother was, you know, barely 18. Back in the 50s, you got somebody pregnant, you married them. They were struggling, they had no money, and they they were ill-suited and ill-matched. And then when I was 10, I, I completely lost connection with my father, which really crushed me. She made a deal with him that he would give up parental rights for her third husband. And he married a woman who only married him based on the agreement that I was never invited to their home. What's wrong with me? I think, you know, I bathe every day. I'm a nice person. I think I'm kind of attractive. What the? Whoa. What a mess.
Thanks for watching The Fallen State. We need your continued support. Donate to my nonprofit here. Subscribe and like the videos here. And tell everybody and their mama about the show.